Yo, it's your man, Chris Mallon, and you're listening to the heart of the game. Today, we have one of the greatest ticket collectors in sports, a huge NBA fan and Chicago Bulls fan. He is on a mission to collect every single game ticket that the GOAT, Michael Jordan, has ever played in. And he's 70% of the way there. That's 891 games. He's appeared on ESPN, USA Today, and other media outlets. Andrew Goldberg, thank you for being on the show today. Oh, Chris, thank you so much for having me. So uh, the first thing, you know, we were talking a little bit before I started recording here, and you were talking a little bit about your background growing up in Chicago. Could you tell us a little bit about that? Sure. So I grew up in one of the northern suburbs of Chicago, uh, Highland Park. And, um, uh, you know, and my parents still live in the same house. I've uh, been there for 40 years. And, uh, you, you know, growing up in the Chicago area, you know, with Jordan coming to the Bulls, and, um, you know, I was a big basketball fan already, but then he comes along and he just took over the city. Um, you know, Chicago is often referred to as a football town, but during the Jordan era, it was a Jordan town. And uh, Jordan was, you know, revered everywhere, certainly, you know, around the world. He became a global icon. In the Chicago area, he was, he was that and more. I mean, he was, he was everything. Um, and, uh, you know, it, you know, kind of a funny story is, uh, or interesting story, I should say, is that I, I lived in a nice, you know, neighborhood. It wasn't, you know, like the, the, the top of the line, so to speak, but it was, it was a nice neighborhood. And there was this sort of empty cul-de-sac field, um, just a half a block away from me, uh, where we grew up and a bunch of new big houses were built in that area. And as I look back on the time, I think it was right after Jordan renewed his contract, right after his rookie contract, he moved there. And wow. so he lived, he lived a block or a half a block away from me. I could literally walk to his house in two minutes at a wow. very leisurely pace. And I was a kid. So um, I was, you know, elementary, junior high, high school. And I remember a lot of the kids in the neighborhood would go and knock on his door and try to meet, you know, the great Michael Jordan. I was always very shy and respectful. And so I, you know, I was asked by my parents, like, do you want to go do this? And I said, no, no, no. Like, I was almost like adamant, like, I want to respect his privacy. And so I never went. I never met him. Wow. Do you regret that now? Do you wish you would have gone and knocked on his door? Or do you, do you still feel like, you know, hey, I... I respected his privacy, you know, because that, that's pretty adamant too, that you did that. Yeah. You know, as I look back on it, it I, you know, who knows what, it, you know, would it have just been like a nice to meet you, see you later, you know, that's it. And I, I got to shake his hand once. Yeah. It could have been something like that. Could there have been uh, Hey, I'm a kid in the neighborhood and every once in a while there's, I get to say hello. I mean, who knows? Um, but you know, that's how I was as a kid. And, you know, so it's hard to have a lot of regrets about it. Although there is a time, where um, I can't call it a meeting, but I guess it sort of is. Um, there was a, it was, you know, the finals were always around graduation time for high schools and colleges and everything. And so there was a graduation party in that neighborhood that I was invited to. So I went to it and I, of course, walked over because it was just, again, half a block away. 
And I was going to the finals game that day. This was 1993. And so I Phoenix had to catch up. They, the, they played the Phoenix Suns that series, right? It, exactly. Charles Barkley, Dan Marley, Kevin Johnson. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's that team. They were beastly. I mean, they were great. Um, and so um, I had to walk back to the house to catch my ride. And of course, I had to walk past his house to get there and to get home. So I'm walking. <laughs> And as I'm approaching his house, a car is pulling out of the driveway. And I don't know who's in the car, but it, it stops. And if you imagine this, I'm on the passenger side of the car. The window comes down. If they were tinted windows, I couldn't see inside. But then well, the window comes down, and there is Michael Jordan's wife sitting in the passenger seat. Oh, man. And I hear the, the voice, because everyone knows his voice. Yeah. And it said, can I help you, sir? <laughs> now, I was a, at this time, I would have been just finishing my sophomore year in college. And um, so I, I looked like an adult, I guess, but I, you know, I felt like a kid. And of course, or, you know, anyone around Michael Jordan is going to feel like a kid, you know, especially that age. Yeah. And I was speechless. I couldn't say a word. All I did was kind of motion my hand to like move along, like go ahead. I'm I'm not here for anything, you know. Oh. Like I'm not here to bother you, you know. So I did I did say a word, but I suppose you could say Michael Jordan called me sir. <laughs> um, um, but you know, now that game. So that went to that game. That game ended up being the triple overtime game that the Bulls lost. Oh my goodness! You were at that game. That's the game that Barkley was like, you know, there's no way we're losing this game. I'm not going to let us lose this game. That's wow. right. Yeah, yeah. So very, very cool, very, very cool uh, sort of moment that um, I'm sure that he has long forgotten because it was a you know inconsequential you know moment for him. <laughs> <laughs> but but for you know being a huge Michael Jordan fan, you're like, oh man, this is amazing. I'll never forget that one time. So that's pretty, do you wish yeah. you would have said, you were like, ah, oh, no, no, I'm good. Michael Jordan, you know, so great, you know, so great to meet you or something like that. Or... Yeah. You know, I mean, looking back on it, you know, at, at that moment, it would have been great to have said, oh, hi, you know, I'm sorry. I don't, I'm just walking back. I'm uh, good luck today. I'm going to the game. I just live right. around the corner. I've never said hi, but my name's Andrew. I'm a neighbor, you know, you know, but that's looking back on it, you know, yeah, sure. a, a couple decades, you know, to say like that, if I had my wherewithal to, you know, to just kind of say something more logical. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> man, that is so cool though. That is a really cool experience. Yeah. Um, okay, so obviously you were a huge Bulls fan. Now, did you grow up as a huge Bulls fan too? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I grew up my whole, um, you know, early life was in Chicago area. So um, the, I, it was the Bulls, the Bears, Blackhawks. Um, I, I rooted for the Cubs and the White Sox. There are some that say, you know, you gotta choose. Yeah, it's kind of faux pas there in the Chicago uh, I, area, I, right? You gotta I pick did, one. Yeah, I, did. I mean, most of my friends were Cubs fans, and so I probably leaned towards Cubs. But I honestly, you know, they they only played each other at the time in a crosstown classic once a year, so it, it was sort of like it didn't matter. Like they never played each other. Right. And they've, and I don't know if they've ever, at least they may have once in a really long time ago, but certainly in modern history, they, you know, baseball history, they've never met in the playoffs in the world series. So yeah. 
I didn't, I didn't see the point, you know, of, of rooting just for one. <laughs> yeah. No, that, I mean, Hey, that, that makes sense. But you were, you were a huge basketball fan and your, your dad was a big yeah. basketball fan. And you, you, yeah. and you were telling me your dad was a, a season ticket holder too, for the bulls for a long time. Right. Yeah. You know, and, and I, and I grew up playing basketball in you know, little leagues, then eventually was on the varsity team for the high school. Um, so yeah, I mean, I was, you know, everyone was into bat, who was into basketball, you know, as cliche as it was, it was always like, yeah, Jordan for three or Jordan yeah. for two for the game winner, <laughs> you know, yeah, that's how we always played in our pickup, you know, games and, um, you know, played on the high school team and we had a pretty good you know, team my senior year. And, you know, while I never met him, you know, I, we had a hoop out in our, our driveway and I would spend countless days and hours out there just shooting. Not so, you know, my, my, my motivation was, yeah, cause it was fun. I enjoyed it. But it also, I was just had this dream that he would drive by, he would stop, see me shooting and either just give me a wink or, or stop and, and say, Hey, um, how you doing? There's, I don't know, you know, right, give, give, give you me some pointer pointers on your, yeah. Pointers on your jump yeah. shot or something. Wow. Yeah. That would have been cool. Um, what position? But, uh, yeah. Well, I was the tallest on the team. Um, I was six three, six four in, in high school, and you know, you might say, "Wow, that sounds really short for that." But I mean, that at the time, I was the tallest on the team, um, and so I, I played center. Um, but yeah, I mean, you know, so the Bulls were everything. I mean, that was the team. You know, th there was never going to be a question about who who was going to be my team because that was the hometown team. And you know, whether Jordan had come along or not, it was going to be the Bulls. And of course he did. And then that just sealed the deal. That's incredible. And of course that was a great time to be a Bulls fan too, living in that Chicago area. Probably the best time to be a Bulls fan. You know, I, I feel very fortunate, you know, lucky, you know, being a, a basketball fan to have lived in the cities that I have during the times that I have. So, you know, I essentially lived in Chicago, the Chicago area for six Bulls championships. And I've lived in Miami for three championships. So, I mean, I have to pinch myself and say, oh my goodness, you know, how, how amazing is this that I've been in the hometown, you know, living, you know, where there, there's been an NBA champion. So, you know, you just hearing you say that I'm a big NBA fan as well. I got chills down my back hearing you say that, you know, Hey, I was in, I was in Chicago for those six NBA titles. And then in Miami, for those that when LeBron was here with Dwayne Wade and Chris Bosh, that's amazing, man. That's like a basketball fan's dream is to be around that many NBA titles, that those quality caliber of teams, man. Really cool. Oh, it, it's amazing. And, and don't forget, you know, the 2006, you know, uh, uh, championship, you know, with Dwayne Wade and Shaquille O'Neal. That's um, right. You know, I mean, that was, that was, pretty amazing and speaking of that championship something that i recently got um uh through you know ticket stubs is i got um one of each of the finals games from that year from 2006 both in dallas and in miami so i've got the, the complete set wow um, which is which is pretty cool that is really cool and that so that's something i want to get to in a little bit too is talking yeah. about your ticket stub collection because the story behind that is really, really incredible. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I've been really looking forward to this interview with you is, is to hear your story behind the ticket stub collection. Um, before we get into that, I also wanted to talk a little bit too about, so you know, for those of you listening, uh, I've known Andrew from 
living in South Florida, and Andrew is a brilliant marketing mind. Uh, he's worked uh, extensively with the arts um, and really active in the South Florida community with, with promoting and improving an arts community uh, down here to make sure that we have a lot of culture in this region that one thing I've missed coming from the Northeast uh, and it's great to see that growing here in South Florida. I, I was just hoping maybe you could just talk about that for a minute. Yeah, Chris, you know, um, I've, I've been in Miami since 2002. I first came here to work for Florida Grand Opera. And I left Miami just for one year in the midst there uh, to work for the Lyric Opera of Chicago, but then came back down and worked for uh, the Adrian Arts Center for more than 12 years as their head of marketing. And I've, I felt very you know, fortunate to be uh, in these roles with these companies you know, during this time, it was a, it was really a time of great um, e expansion and growth of the arts scene in Miami. And it was really exciting to be at the forefront of, of that. Um, and to really take an organization such as the Arts Center from its infancy, I, I came on board at the tail end of the first year of operations. And, you know, it, the operations, you know, and, and the organization was wasn't in the best shape. Um, it, you know, it needed some improvements and some tweaks and that's, that can be very normal, you know, for an organization, you know, you know, fresh out of the gate. Um, and so it was exciting to be a part of the, the team that kind of brought it to what it is known as today, um, and having a lot of the impact that it has today. And, um, it's been a very, it was a very meaningful experience for me. And then, um, this last fall, I decided to make a break from the, the, the marketing, you know, track of the career and, and jump into uh, consulting for nonprofits in general. And that's been exciting um, and started out very exciting. And it still is, um, of course, it slowed down a little bit with the whole COVID situation. Sure. And the live performing arts are certainly being, uh, uh, you know, amongst many industries having a very much a crisis moment, um, you know, uh, you know, here with, with the COVID situation relies so much on having you know, large crowds in close proximity. Um, that's yeah. how they, you know, make money is you fill up a theater where you're sitting, you know, right next to and behind and in front of people that are very close. And which is at the moment, you know, a bit in conflict with um, safety, you know, as, as we know it, you know, as, as we think we know it, right. this, you know, is working. But um, yeah, you know, it, it, love Miami and, you know, love, you know, watching how the city has changed and grown over, you know, now close to 20 years. And the art scene, I mean, for me, I've only been down here for five years coming from Philadelphia uh, before here. And for me, just the growth that I've seen in the five years that I've been here with the performances that are coming down here, the locations, uh, the, you know, the facilities, the opportunities, uh, you know, you were very instrumental in the arts launch uh, for the Adrian Arts Center. Uh, so kudos to you, you know, for, for being a big part of expanding a lot of that for South Floridians. That's really amazing. Oh, well, thanks. Look, you know, uh, yeah, I, I may have, you know, helped, you know, propel it forward, you know, that at least that program, arts launch in particular, um, which was really to help lift up the entire arts community uh, with more than 100 you know, arts partners and organizations on campus each year. Um, this last year, there were more than 9,000 attendees. Um, and I believe that number would, would have grown probably this year, but I don't, I don't see that happening, 
you know, with the COVID yeah, was, situation, but, right. but it didn't happen alone. Lots of, lots of partners, um, you know, Chris, you know, your company is a, you know, a great help um, to make it happen. Um, and there's, you know, and, you know, I just don't see it happening without, you know, great partners. Right. Right. Absolutely. Uh, definitely takes community to make these things happen for sure. Um, okay. So, Let's get back uh, to talking a little bit about sports and talking about this ticket stub collection, because to me, this is such a cool story. Um, first of all, what was your motivation to start collecting ticket stubs? Well, Chris, you know, I, I've always collected something. So, um, you know, it, it, I think my grandfather collected some things. Uh, I don't think he was very good at it. <laughs> there was a, there's this sort of, um, infamous story in my in family lore where um he would get excited very excited about you know getting something unique and different that he thought could be valuable and he went to i think an estate sale one time and came back with 10 paintings of rabbis (laughs) (laughs) and and, you know and i remember seeing them just like i I don't understand why i got these Uh, i don't know why they would be valuable i mean and maybe to someone they would have been but this is just an example of his thinking, you know, he was alive, you know, um, uh, during the time when, you know, like action comics, number one came out or, you know, um, when a lot of old baseball cards probably were available and probably could have gotten some of these things, but, you know, that just wasn't, you know, his thing. You know, there were a few coins, you know, that he had or whatever. Now my father <laughs> was, um, it skipped a generation, the collecting gene. He, he just had, no inclination to do this he remembers having mickey mantle rookie cards and oh my goodness um, and that his mother threw them out you know and that, just that's like, that's like one of the holy grail of baseball cards too is the mickey mantle rate uh, the mickey mantle rookie card correct ex- yeah exactly i mean i don't remember the latest numbers but um like a very you know good conditioned version of it i think sells for north of a quarter million dollars. I mean, if you've got, if you've got like a gem 10 or something like that, maybe it's more, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe it's a lot more. I, I, again, it's just been a while since I've really paid attention to those numbers. Um, but so it skipped a generation. And when I was young, before I got into, I mean, I collected sports cards and I have a bunch of those, you know, that I, that I kept. Um, but um, there were other people that were better at it, more savvy and all that sort of thing. I also collected comic books because um, I loved the art. I actually used to draw a lot. And so I would try to imitate, you know, the superheroes and, and, and that sort of thing. Okay. Um, and so I've kept a bunch of those, you know, and so some of the, one of the probably the cooler things I have from back then is I have the original run of the Star Wars um, series, which is 107 issues that wow. I think started in 1977, went through, I don't know, 84, 85, something, something like that. Um, so I've got that and that's, you know, it's pretty cool, you know, um, yeah, you know, just to have that. Um, and, uh, so I have my sports cards, but, you know, I think it was at some point, you know, Jordan had probably won, let's say it was like three or four scoring titles in a row. Maybe it was around 88, you know, he won, you know, the, the, um, MVP, uh, I think for the first time scoring title defensive player of the year slam dunk competition scored 40 points in the all-star game that year and won the MVP of that. I mean, it was clearly clear that this guy was just head and shoulders above 
everyone else in the league. And that year, he just, it's like he swept everything from an individual standpoint. And I just started to think to myself, just like I'm sure you know, collectors would be interested in having a ticket stop from a game that Babe Ruth played in, I bet you one day someone would be interested in a ticket stub that Michael Jordan played in. Maybe he's the, he's the Babe Ruth of basketball. And that, that was a thought that I had back, you know, back then. And I, so I started, you know, to keep the games, the tickets from the games that I went to with my, with my father. And um, I was lucky if I got to go to, let's say four or five games a year, you know, it wasn't, you know, he shared the season tickets with others. So it's not like he had every game. And, you know, as a kid, I couldn't go on every school night. So he took me, you know, when I could, and he knew it was fun for me. And so it was a great, you know, bonding experience for us. Um, and so I, and then after a while, I asked him if he would start keeping the tickets when he went to the game. And he wasn't really, you know, he started out by keeping them, but shoving them in his pocket, folding them and all that sort of, I'm like, dad, here's an envelope, put it in here, put it in your you know, <laughs> breast pocket, like, please. Preserve and, the um, integrity of the ticket. Yeah. <laughs> and then I'd be that guy, you know, after a game looking around on the floor to see if anyone threw around, you know, threw throughout, you know, threw on the floor, their, their tickets, you know, that, you know, and try to pick them up and that sort of thing, you know, and it's not because anything special happened in the games. I probably wasn't even thinking that way. I was just thinking this was a Jordan game and that's it. Um, so I would say I, I probably had 60 some tickets, you know, coming out of, you know, Jordan's retirement. I don't know. And by the way, I did get um, his first retirement. I went to that. Um, that was in 94. Um, and that was a very cool experience. Um, my father, as a season ticket holder, had access to get a couple tickets, had to pay for a couple tickets for that. So he said, I don't, he said he didn't want to go. Do I want to go? I said, yeah. So me and a college buddy, we went and uh, just for fun, we uh, we were both in a singing group that uh, required us to have tuxedos, um, and so we wore those tuxedos to Michael Jordan's retirement. Um, and we were all ready to talk to the press. We figured we'd probably be the only ones in tuxedos. Yeah, and we were ready to say, you know, if so, you know, to give very short response if someone, if like one of the TV stations came up and said, "So why are you wearing tuxedos?" We we're just going to say very straight faced to show respect to the man. <laughs> and like it just like leave it at that and it was yeah. me and my friend uh david reader um you know we were both huge basketball fans and yeah so we both wore tuxedos <laughs> to jordan's retirement um did but, anybody uh, interview you did anybody stop oh, to, no 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 one did no one did um i mean but there were a couple of in-game things that i had an opportunity to do um one was during his re first retirement so it wasn't there but um i got uh picked out of the crowd to do the at&t long distance shootout so nice. Um, um, I was just walking around and this person in a suit comes up to me and says, excuse me, do you play basketball? And I was in college at the time. Uh -huh. and I said, well, yeah, yeah, I play some pickup ball. Like, I didn't know where this was headed. And he said, um, so uh, like, are you on the college team? And I said, no, um, just, you know, intramural, you know, pickup ball. He said, okay, how many times a week do you play? And I said like three or four, which was true at the time. And he said, so you could probably knock down a jumper or two. And I said, I suppose I could. So he said, how would you like to be in the AT&T long distance shootout? I said, sure, I'd love to. And I was there with actually my same friend, David. And um, my parent, we had all four tickets for that game. My parents were already in their seats. So I said, David, do not tell my parents. 
I'm going to, and I had to go meet this guy, like after, you know, uh, the first quarter or something like that, right. at a certain gate. And I said, do not tell my parents, um, and, uh, but keep them in their seats so that they do not go to the bathroom or anything like that. And I want them to be surprised when I walk out onto the court. And so, um, I went down there, I met the guy and I met this other guy I was going to shoot against. Um, we chose which baskets. And then during one of the timeouts, I think it was in the second quarter, um, they call our names out on the, on the loudspeaker and we go out to shoot three pointers for 30 seconds or whatever it was. Um, I made one <laughs> and uh, he made zero. So, oh, so you won. won. And so this is like 94, 90. Yeah, I think it was 94, maybe it was 95. And um, he, so I won. <laughs> it's very laughable today. Um, I won an electronic answering machine. Oh my goodness. <laughs> At the time that was pretty cool. Yeah. Because <laughs> most of them were tape, you know, tape, you know. So to have a digital one where I could just press a few buttons and erase things very easily. I did a rewind, fast forward, all that sort of thing. Um, now this is also very laughable. If I had made every shot, the grand prize would have been long distance calling for life. Oh my goodness. <laughs> wow. That, that only would have lasted, what, uh, like 10 years, and then long-distance calling was free after that point. <laughs> but who knew? Yeah. You know, it's, it, at the time, it was very expensive, and so it sounded like a really cool grand prize. Of course, you know, I didn't get that, but, you know, so I still have my shirt, you know, from, they give you a shirt to, you know, shoot in, and all that stuff, right. I still have that shirt, and, uh, you know, there were no cell phone cameras back then. So right. they gave us, you know, like a disposable camera to just take some pictures while I was shooting. So oh, that's I've cool. got some... I've got some, you know, photos from that. Um, but yeah, you know, I, it was, it was such a good experience. So, you know, had these tickets coming out of, you know, his, um, you know, final retirement. And then I just had them, you know, I just held on to them. I really didn't do a whole lot of new collecting, you know, for, I mean, many, many years, really until about 2015. Um, I had done a little bit of comic book, something here and there, but not much. Um, and so uh, in 2015, I just had this idea. What if I could get a ticket stub from every game from the 95-96 Chicago Bulls, which at the time, and I think still today, um, many, uh, probably majority of people, not everybody, is going to say is the best NBA team of all time. Best record and won, well, almost the best record and won the championship. Right. A lot, a lot of people do have them in their top 10. I mean, they, you hear the, the 86 Celtics in that question, some answered for that sure. sometimes too. Uh, uh, you know, they, the 83 Sixers, I got to throw in there because I'm a Sixers fan, which uh, yeah. certainly that 95, 96 Bulls team is right there in that top 10 uh, question for best of all time. I agree. And I think it'd be hard pressed to actually find many people who wouldn't have them in their top five, if not top three. Yeah, I, I'd um, agree with I you. Mean, yeah, you know it's it's up there, and you know, being from Chicago, I'm gonna, you know, believe that they were the best of all time, um, and you know, uh, and then of course when the Warriors did go seventy three and nine, and they didn't win it, I was you know that was the main reason I was you know rooting you know for the the Cavs that year was because I didn't want them to you know be perceived. Right. You know, you know, or in my mind, mistaken as a better team. Oh, I, I agree with you because I remember watching those Bulls teams and then I remember watching the Warriors now. And to me, 
I mean, obviously the rules have changed over time, but right. this Warriors team does not hold a candle to that Bulls team and not even close. Yeah. You know, it's, there's look, you know, there's, it's hard to compare eras. It is. That's the number one, that's the number one thing, different rules, different players. And, you know, athletes have access today to so much more in technology um, and medicine and nutrition that that people just didn't pay attention to you know before and so it's, it's just very different and you know free agency is a different thing today than it was then um you know people talk to me you know about you know or, or i've had conversations with people about you know when kevin durant you know you know was just moments away from potentially beating the warriors lost to them and then joined them the next year and you know and they're like well what's the big deal I said, well, imagine it's 1990 and the Bulls have just lost to the, the Pistons again. And Jordan joins the Pistons for the 1991 season. That's a great analogy. You know, he was, you know, just led the, you know, a former MVP, one of the best in the league, and he joins the team that he couldn't beat, you know. And so that's why, that's why I think, you know, that's a big deal. You know, like Jordan didn't do that. Mm-hmm. um so um yeah, yeah so uh uh you know so you know i i uh 2015 i thought wouldn't it be cool to get a ticket from every one of those games and maybe i'll make a nice you know big frame something for the man cave um you know and it's you know the 72 you know 72 and 10 so 82 games regular season and then i, for, I forget off the top of my head how many um uh, uh, um, playoff games there were that year, but then maybe have the playoff games too. And as I started looking, I started seeing a ton of tickets for the other years too. And I thought, huh, I did. This is a little crazy, but maybe it's not crazy. I don't know. Why don't I try to get a ticket stub from every year that he played from every game? And then I had to, you know, sort of with, you know, for myself, you know, determine what those parameters were. And so the parameters became, it would be all the regular season and playoff games and then the all-star games. So um, when you add those all up together and that includes the wizards, which a lot of uh, bulls fans like to forget, um, but the wizard years, but um, when you include the wizards, it's 1,264 games. So it does Uh not include, uh, preseason games, and it doesn't include exhibition games um, of any kind. And I've started to dabble in those a little bit too. So I do have some preseason games. And in fact, one of my, um, I think, probably prized tickets is a preseason game, which I'll, I'll share with you, you know, what it is. Um, and, uh, um, and then I have some exhibition games. And the notable exhibition games I have um, include, I have the 82 NCAA Finals uh, Championship ticket where as a freshman he hit the game-winning shot um i have against georgetown um, and uh patrick ewing right that's That's right that's right yeah yeah um and then where he he went from becoming mike jordan to michael jordan michael right yeah yeah um and then um i have the 1984 gold medal game wow Um, and that's um, a really cool one to have uh, yeah it's really cool and it's a full ticket so it's really it's really nice looking um and it's in you know, pretty good condition, I think. Um, and then I have the uh, 1992 gold medal game. Oh, dream team. There you go. And that's a full ticket as well. And I got that one graded by by PSA 
uh, professional sports authenticators, um, and that got graded a six, which is pretty good for a ticket, which, you know, most of them are folded or creased or, you know, have edge issues and all that sort of thing. So um, that one's also pretty cool. That concludes the end of our first episode with the Jordan guy, Andrew Goldberg. Make sure you stick with us for the second episode as Andrew shares his unique story and goes more into detail about how he tracked all these tickets down and their stories behind them. Also, be sure to follow Andrew Goldberg on Twitter at Andrew L. Goldberg. Thank you for listening to Heart of the Game.